Micah 2, we'll be reading together verses 1 through 6. And to give honor to God's word, we'll stand as we read this holy, blessed word. If you're able, we'll stand. Micah 2, starting in verse 1. This is God's holy word. Woe to those who scheme iniquity, who work out evil on their beds. When morning comes, they do it, for it is in the power of their hands. They covet fields and then seize them and houses and take them away. They rob a man and his house, a man and his inheritance. Therefore, thus says the Lord, Behold, I am planning against this family a calamity from which you cannot remove your necks and you will not walk haughtily for it will be an evil time. On that day, they will take up against you a taunt and utter a bitter lamentation and say, we are completely destroyed. He exchanges the portion of my people how he removes it from me. To the apostate, he apportions our fields. Therefore, you will have no one stretching a measuring line for for you by lot in the assembly of the Lord. Do not speak out, so they speak out. But if they do not speak out concerning these things, reproaches will not be turned back. Let us pray. Our beloved Lord, we ask that you would help us to understand uh, your judgment upon sin, your judgment upon wickedness, and we pray that you would help us to be those who, who not only flee evil, but help us to be those who speak out against evil. Give us your grace. Give us courage, for we ask it in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Please be seated. Edmund Burke was born in in Dublin, Ireland, and he served as a member of Parliament um, between the years 1766 and 19. I'm sorry, and 1794 for the House of Commons of Great Britain. One thing he was known for was that he spoke about the importance of religious institutions for the moral stability of, and the good of the state. Think of that. If you want a healthy nation, you want a solid nation, what we need, we don't need better schools, what we need is better moral religious institutions. Strong, sound churches, strong, sound preaching leads to a strong nation, a godly nation. It's for the good of the state. That's the kind of thing that that he would say. But there was one famous quote that he was known for. He says, The only thing necessary for evil to triumph, triumph in the world is that good men do nothing. You want evil to progress? Don't say anything. Don't do anything. Just stand by and let it happen and, and stay together in your church and maybe we could pray about it, but don't say anything about it. The prophet Micah foretold of a coming judgment that was due for the people 
Uh, in his day, it was due concerning Samaria and Jerusalem. It's mentioned there in, in verse 1 of chapter 1. And it was largely due to what we would call idolatry and what the Bible described, or God described, as spiritual harlotry. <coughs> Excuse me. When God's people committed spiritual harlotry, what they were doing was that they were being unfaithful to God as both father and, and husband. They were breaking the first, second, third, and fourth commandments. But in today's text, I don't know if you've caught that, um, there's the mention of breaking the tenth and eighth commandments, coveting and stealing. And we'll look a little bit at that today. In today's text, what we'll see is the focus is that God calls you to speak out against evil. Probably, I'd like to add, God calls you to flee evil and speak out against it. But we'll look at some examples of iniquity, and we are to look at God's charge for us to speak out against evil. Let's look at the examples of iniquity here in today's text. Micah mentioned wicked people that have what I would call evil insomnia. Look at verse 1. Woe to those who scheme iniquity, who work out evil on their beds. When morning comes, they do it. It is for the power of their hands. Now, insomnia is the inability to sleep. And from what I, I, I did a little research on this, it's one of the most common sleep problems in older people. And uh, it says, according to WebMD, 48% of older adults experience symptoms of insomnia. That's pretty common. I would say the reason for this ultimately is because of the, the curse of sin passed down by our first parents. As our minds and bodies deteriorate, so does our sleep. Um, with men, you could have prostate trouble and you have to go to the bathroom many, many times during the night. That could be one problem. Sometimes people have pain that keeps you from sleeping. Um, studies show that as you age, your sleep cycles don't go as deep as they used to and then that, that's one reason. You, you, why your sleep diminishes. Um, actually, there are some things you could do to help yourself. Don't use electronic devices so much before you go to bed because it stimulates your brain, especially some people think it's the blue light that stimulates. Maybe me working on sermons late keeps me awake too long. Um, but you know, other things is taking naps. If you take too long of a nap during the day, it can really sabotage a good night's rest. Or if you have too much caffeine. As a, there's numerous reasons why you could have insomnia. But here we have people, and the reason they couldn't fall asleep is because they couldn't stop the excitement of their minds in devising evil. It's because they were too busy scheming iniquity while on their beds. And then when morning comes, they do it. They carry out those evil schemes for it is in the power of their hands. Um, so evil insomnia produces evil deeds of wickedness in this case here in today's text. They're laying down, devising evil with which to, to perform. But before we move on, I want us to think of uh, this statement here. For it, evil schemes, is in the power of their hands, verse 1. 
Um, the Lord's Prayer is something that maybe you don't realize when we pray this prayer. We pray, Lord, do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Or used to some translations would be deliver, deliver us from the evil one. Matthew 6, 13. Now, that prayer is asking God to remove from us the opportunities and the provocations for sin, the temptations for sin. Lord, don't allow me to go down that path, down that street, or to see that temptation lest I fall into it, is what we're praying. Now, for someone who's fighting against substance abuse or other abuse, or maybe even uh, men who are looking at things that they shouldn't look at, you have to uh, follow whatever opportunity you have to remove the provocations and opportunities for sin. As far as it is possible, allow it so you do not have power or ability to access those things to keep yourself from that sin. But here, what brought these men not only to make these thoughts, but the actually carrying out these evil deeds was they had the power in their hands to do so. They had both the opportunity and the provocation and the evil, wicked desire to carry it out, and they did. What is the schemes that they put into action? Look at verse 2. They covet fields, and then they seize them, and houses, and take them away. They rob a man and his house, a man and his inheritance. Now, this is reminiscent of what happened in the days of King Ahab. Remember, King Ahab was, was covetous over his neighbor Naboth's vineyard. He wasn't happy being king of the whole nation. Um, I mean, I'm sorry, of, of that nation of uh, the northern kingdom, I believe it was. Oh, boy. Um, but anyway, King Ahab was moping around because of his covetousness. So then his really compassionate, loving, dear wife, Jezebel, looks at him and says, Oh, Ahab, I can't see you like this. I'll see that we get that vineyard. So she makes this plot. She writes to the, the leaders of, of the town where Naboth lives, makes him have a feast. Naboth is set at, at the head of the table. And then they have two men accusing him of saying that he cursed God and the king. Therefore, Naboth was stoned to death because of a lie, because of covetousness, because some man desired a vineyard so much that his wife persuaded people to, to kill, to murder Naboth to get that vineyard. That's one example here. It's not just taking of property here. It's theft of all sorts that is condemned by God. And that is something that has plagued mankind since the dawn of uh, creation immediately after the fall, that men have desired uh, to take what was not theirs and to break God's holy law. Verse 3 tells of the beginning of God's coming judgment upon his people for these sins. Verse 3. Therefore, thus says the Lord, Behold, I am planning... Against this family, a calamity from which you cannot remove your necks, and you will not walk haughtily, for it will be an evil time. Now, I like using a different uh, 
there are different translations where it talks about an evil time. It talks about, a, you could translate that as a, a calamitous time. Other translations have it because God is not the author of evil. Terrible things happen to these people, but it was a calamitous time. It was a time of punishment, of, of discipline. Um, <clears throat> now, you might ask, well, what is this family? Who's, who is this particular family that is going to have this judgment? And to answer that, we want to look at a parallel text from Amos. I, I put it in your outline there. Amos 3, 1 and 2. Uh, the prophet says, Hear this word which the Lord has spoken against you, sons of Israel, against the entire family which he brought up from the land of Egypt. You only I have chosen among all the families of the earth. Therefore, I will punish you, my covenant people, for all your iniquities. Uh, looking back at Micah 2, 4. Um, they were many who would say such things as this. Utter a bitter lamentation and say, We are completely destroyed. He exchanges the portion of my people. How he removes it from me. To the apostate, the unbeliever, he apportions our fields. And then he goes on to say that there'll be no one left. There'll be no land at all to survey or measure any longer. And... Think about this. The, pa- the pagans, uh, what we call here the apostate, inherited the fields of the people because that's what happened when they were taken over by Nebuchadnezzar. When Nebuchadnezzar came in, uh, the Babylonians took possession. That land all belonged to them. It no longer was the inheritance of the Jews. It was then the possession of the apostate. Now, a new, this text today moves on and it talks about how you are, because of such things, because of such judgments, because of such sins, you are to speak out against evil. Look at the first part of verse 6. It says, do not speak out, so they speak out. Now, at first I was wondering, well, who's they and who's, who's speaking here? But I think clearly it's the schemers of iniquity. The schemers of iniquity, they tell their friends, they tell their neighbors, their co-workers, their fellow worshipers, do not speak out against what we are doing. Now, you could think this is a threat, right? And the reason I might say it's a threat is because in their hands was the power to do evil. If in their hands is the power to do evil, also in their hands is the power to exercise harm against those who might speak out against their wicked deeds. Now, in modern times, there may be reasons why you might not want to speak out against evil as you should. On a serious side, there could be great danger to you if you speak out against particular evil. Imagine, uh, <clears throat> imagine if it is known to the mafia that you are an, an informer, maybe in Italy or in New York. And if you, if you speak out against the evil of the mafia in, in Italy or in New York, you might end up in some concrete boots and tossed into the river. I have a friend named Ernie uh, that used to always talk about people being put in concrete boots and tossed into the river. 
he, he later did become a reformed Presbyterian elder, so he does he doesn't threaten people with that kind of stuff. But he he knew he probably knew people who did. Seriously, they could be great danger from um, speaking out against evil if you report certain things. There could be strife. It could cause you strife. If you speak out against wrong in the workplace, you could have people in your workplace get very upset with you and you could bring on the wrath of your co-workers. And that could be a very detestable place to work if you speak out against evil in the workplace. Now, some people are just too plain selfish and self, self-absorbed to want to speak out. What will my classmates think of me if I speak out about the evil of these people picking on Joey over here, bullying Joey? They're all going to hate me. They're going to say all terrible things about me. Now, whether if it's a valid fear because you're fearing harm uh, about a, a crime, you know, if you, you could go and ask the police for protection, witness protection services, right? But the other reasons for not speaking out are very often just plain selfish and cowardice. It's a a coward that does not want to do what's right because of fear of what other people might think or say. And that's not commendable. The remainder of verse 6 gives us the ultimate reason. The ultimate reason why we should speak out against evil in verse (coughs) 6. But if they do not speak out concerning these things, reproaches will not be turned back. The Hebrew word here for reproach could be described or could be translated as disgrace, dishonor, harm, insult, or shame. So if you have someone and you reproach them, you're you're causing them something like Disgrace, dishonor, harm, insult, or shame. Uh, I think reproach kind of covers it all. But that's, that's all the things these people of Jerusalem were headed to, to. The people of Samaria and Jerusalem, the Jewish people were headed all for disgrace, dishonor, harm, insult, and shame when they went into captivity. If they did not repent, and they did not Now, given the context of our passage, who is the one who causes reproach here? Because of the sin of the people, it is God who is going to give these people such a reproach. He is the one who is going to cause them the shame uh, here. Now, when God uh, places it in your heart to speak out against evil in the community, It should be your greatest motivation to do so because you don't want to experience the reproach, the shame for doing nothing. Remember, the only necessary thing for evil to triumph is for good men, women, and children to do nothing. Micah 6.8 picks up again on this theme when the prophet says by the Holy Spirit, He has told you, O man, what is good? And what does the Lord require of you but to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God? 
In Micah 6, 8, we find a passage that teaches us of what God expects from us. Now, we're not going to have a full example of what it means yet of how we are to be those who exercise justice, love kindness. But one thing's for sure that we find out in, in chapter 2 in today's text is that God wants you at least to speak out against wickedness and sin. The first obligation is to speak out. Now, concerning issues in our, in our parish, you might not be aware of this, but it used to be that when they had a board meeting in the Rapids Library, for the Rapids Library system, uh, the board meeting might have had one or two people come in from the community, maybe one or two. The last two to three meetings, they had so many people going into the, into the meetings, they have no room for them to seat people any longer. The, because of the fire marshal requirement, they couldn't fit any more people in the library building because there were so many people who wanted to speak out against what's going on in the library. And namely, it's the sexualization of kids. Uh, they're putting forth pornography. They're putting forth uh, pro-gay stuff. They're putting forth things of gender confusion. All of this stuff is going on in, in the Bible Belt here in Rapids Parish in Louisiana. And you know what? There are a lot of people who want to speak out. And, and I'm very thankful that people are speaking out in this community. And they need to continue to speak out. And one of my next tasks that I have to do is I need to write, not representing the church necessarily, but as a citizen of Rapids Parish, I'm going to write to the district attorney and I'm going to complain about some of the material that our library is putting out because it is evil and wicked and it doesn't belong in our library system. Now keep in mind, we're not saved by such matters. But there is one day a great reproach, a great dishonor, a great harm, a great shame that comes to all men if not hidden by the blood of Christ. All men will receive the reproach of God if not for the blood of Christ because all men sin and unto them is due the punishment and the wrath of God for sinners. But for those who embrace Jesus Christ by faith, Jesus himself takes that reproach. He takes that harm. He takes that shame. He takes all of that that the Father has given for the sake of those who put their faith in Jesus Christ. And they will be spared from the wrath to come. So the, the example in today's text, the prime example in today's text of iniquity is that of covetousness and stealing, theft of property. But you and I could cite numerous other examples that we have in this community of things that are wicked that go on in our, in our town. You are to speak out against such evil because that's what Scripture calls you to do. Don't be a coward. Speak out and say what is right and true. 
speak out, but remember that on that great day of judgment, that reproach that is due for you has already been given to Jesus Christ. If you have faith in him as your Lord and Savior, he has suffered the reproach and shame so that you, do, you will not on that great day if your faith is rooted firmly in him. Let's pray. Oh, Father, we thank you uh, for the prophecy that you gave unto your servant, Micah. And we thank you, oh, Father, that the reproach that has been due for sinners such as us was inflicted upon your son, Jesus Christ, that you turned that reproach back upon even your son, your only begotten son, because you loved us. We thank you, O Father, that you have given us freedoms, freedom of speech in our society, and we pray that you would help us to be those who are not fearful, but would rather speak out against iniquity. Help us, we pray, to be servants who love you and who love your law, who love your church, who love our community, and who speak out against the evil in ways that are legal and right and fruitful. Give us wisdom in this. Help us, we pray, for we ask these matters in the name of Jesus our Lord. Amen.